You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the call over the next 60 minutes. Two share market gurus. No, I don't think that's overstated yet. <laughs> Two share market gurus join us to analyse 10 stocks in 60 minutes. You send through the suggestions. We give you the answers. And also, I throw in an extra stock of the day that it seems to be catching everyone's attention. And uh, joining us on the panel today, Australia's favourite regional broker and advisor, Andrew Whelan from Dornbush Partners in beautiful Toowoomba, still in the Queensland bubble and not letting any Mexican south of the border in. Andrew, hello to you on Skype. G'day, Koshi. G'day, Adam. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, <laughs> we're standing there at uh, Coolangatta and uh, we're manning the fences. And unless you have that pass, <laughs> sorry, you can't come in. You Queenslanders, you Queenslanders have wanted to do this for years. I know, I know, particularly around state of origin time. Andrew, good to have your company and also joining us in our Osbit studios here at Brangaroo. Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Adam, yes, how are you going? All good. Glad You're to be here. surviving in the week all over your um, ISO injuries yes, with all, kids. all and... over with that and uh, happy to be back at work, actually. Yeah. It's oh, a nice, good. nice little change. It is. Definitely. All right. Let's get stuck into it. And our stock of the day is Nearmap. Its share price surged almost 17% yesterday. Uh, the company released a positive trading update on its strong business performance and continued month-to-month growth. Uh, growth. The company also unveiled the launch of its new AI product, Nearmap AI, which is scheduled to hit the Australian and US markets on June 1. Um, Adam, mm. it's been a, a company that's fallen in and out of love with yes. investors over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Has this been a good sign for Nearmap? Uh, look, I, I think, yeah, Newmap has done a couple of things that I like at the moment. One of those things is that they've been cutting costs or reducing the capital required uh, to, to run that. So no cash burn or, or capital burn at the moment has been a real positive for Nearmap going forward. Um, if anybody doesn't know, it's an aerial imagery business yeah. uh, and that you'd think Google Maps would be good enough, but no, for businesses, uh, that aerial imagery, they can they can uh, delineate, they can line, they can do a lot of things mm. with that imagery. And it, it, it's sort of, whereas Google Maps is good for us as as the public, Correct. near map, it's for businesses, it's for local governments, Government flying over councils, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So big, big they, can, they can map out an area to, to the millimetre by not even being there. So right. that, that is some, some interesting technology. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, we're going to look for growth in annual mm. targets or contracts that needs to be uh, moving forward but I think look they cut around about 30% of their costs uh, to get that break even or free cash flow rate down so I think that's a really good thing look the stock has been as you say fallen in and out of love found a little bit of a low there 
getting back to near sort of January highs, December highs. So um, I think this one will be well bought up. It's it's a hold from me. Right. I think it's a little bit uh, too edgy uh, for some of my clients, but um, Andrew might disagree. Yeah. Andrew, are you a bit edgier than Adam, both uh, personality-wise and investment strategy? Oh, I was going to say thank you for that differentiation there, Koshi. That was an important uh, delineator. Um, I like, I like Neomap. I, I remember it um, back when Adam and I first started working together and it was sort of 60 and 70 cents and we it were was. talking about Neomap then. Yeah. So it's certainly uh, been a, a great mm. uh, company from that point of view. That cash flow break-even point or cash flow uh, was really important for them. Uh, but it is a trader's dream. And in fact, you know, we only covered this one about uh, two weeks ago, uh, sorry, four weeks ago, rather. And then we were talking about how it moved 16% in a day, 18% yesterday. So it certainly is all over the show. Look, I'm with Adam. I think it's a hold. It's a great business. But if I was to look at other technology businesses in Australia, like if I could only choose two or three, near that, near Matt probably wouldn't be in there. You yeah. know, I'd be looking at things like um, Technology One, I'd be looking at things like Altium, I'd be looking at things like Appen. Uh, there are a number of other quality technology businesses in Australia. Not that near one isn't quality, but it's probably not at the top yeah. of the list. And Andrew, you make a very good point. It, it's sort of, we, with a portfolio, you, you've got to look at that industry, um, uh, industry uh, separation, don't you? That... Uh, Yes, there's some exciting stories. Appen came out with a good announcement yesterday as well. Mm. Technology one keeps going through through the roof. If you want a balanced portfolio, you can't have them all, can you? So you've got to choose the top oh. top two or three. Spot on. And if you then consider, uh, and I'll very quickly deal with this, you know, the fact that in Australia, technology is only 3% of the index. You compare and contrast that um. to the US where it's 25 Right. If you, I mean, you can certainly be overweight technology, no issues with that at all. But it's when you've only got three percent weight to play with, it's really hard to actually say, well, what's my favourite ones? Whereas, you know, say banks, you've got twenty five percent to play with. So that's something yeah. to keep in mind as well. That that uh that percentage though would be growing over time though, Andrew, wouldn't it? That, oh, that, uh, you know, it, it is growing, and that now the technology we've got actually a technology index that they've created. Yeah. So that allows more and more money to be flowed, funds management money, those kinds of things. So I agree with Andrew, but I think that that, that technology, technology space is growing and potentially uh, it will never be as big as the NASDAQ, but yeah. uh, potentially it could be a, a larger part of our index yeah, going Yeah, it's interesting. Forward. All right, there you go with Neomap, a hold from both Adam and Andrew at the moment. All right, let's start going to uh, your stocks that you've suggested that we cover. This one from Donald. Thank you, Donald, for uh, the suggestion. Spark Infrastructure Group, Adam. Now, yeah. um, they own power grids, don't they, in New South yep. Wales? So, so do they actually own the, the poles and the wires, do they? Is that basically uh, what it is? I don't know if they own the poles and the wires. Um, I think they're actually, well, maybe they do. That's the grid, I guess, yeah, that they yeah, own. Yeah. They own uh, a part of Transgrid, which is a very big right. energy provider here in, uh, in New South Wales. So, yeah, mm. potentially uh, they do. Um, what, so it's an infrastructure play. Infrastructure play, definitely. Um, what I think is really interesting about this one, and I've been fairly negative on this one uh, six months ago, due to the fact that governments were coming in for election and raising power prices is not in the interest of any government to come forward. Yeah. So we have seen that sort of levelling <laughs> off 
of Spark infrastructure due to the fact that it is a government regulated industry and governments were not allowing that regulation for price increases inside electricity. Right. So that for me was was a bit of a negative. Now when we've seen this sort of fall and it's sort of that sort of two bucks around there, it actually starts to look a little bit better for me. Um, so I, I really like this stock. I've got a buy on it. We've got right. our clients in it. It's a good dividend paying stock. I was going to ask, is it for, for people after income? Yeah, yeah. Because infrastructure businesses usually are good for dividends. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So the, the dividends are <laughs> quite good and that's that's continuing. They're continuing to pay those dividends. Oh, so that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm really, I like that Transgrid. I think that's probably one of their growth areas. They've got Victoria Power Grids. They've got uh, in New South Wales as well. So uh, look, I think it's, yeah, it's a okay. good stock. It's a buy. It's for that lower risk style client yep. that doesn't want too much volatility. Yep. And it just sort of continues to is pay it, the dividends. Is this sort of a client that may have been in the big four banks for the dividend now yeah. are badly disappointed with that? Maybe this is an option. Absolutely. APA would be my pick if we were going right. from the bank to uh, a more consistent dividend paying. APA's pipeline trust. Right. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. electricity. But yeah, absolutely. That okay. sort of network infrastructure play, uh, it's a good okay. spot for a, a low risk style mm. client. Andrew? Yeah, look, I uh, I quite like uh, Spark Infrastructure. And as you know, Koshi, I'm sort of a big fan of looking at management. Who runs it? What do they own in it? Uh, what's their track record? And the chair is Doug McTaggart. Mm. Uh, so Doug is the ex-CEO of uh, Queensland Investment Corporation, which is arguably the oh. best-run uh, state treasury mm. in the country. Not that I'm biased. Um, <laughs> so certainly uh, I would think the fact that Doug has personally gone and increased his exposure by 30% in the company, as has the CEO. Oh. Uh, all the good points that Adam has spoken about. If you look at what its returns spark over the last five years, it's returned about 7.5% per annum, dividend and growth. You compare that to the market, which has done around 4.5%. It's trading well under consensus, which is about $2.28. Um, probably the only thing I'd be a little bit cautious of is that you know, Adam referenced Transgrid, and that's uh, another 20% of that might be coming up for sale soon. The Kuwaiti uh, Investment Authority uh, might be looking at selling that, and Spark has sort of a, a preemptive right on that. So whether potentially there's a capital raising for that, medium to long term, that's great. But that might cause a bit of short-term pricing pressure. But I'm with Adam. I like the business. Okay. Mm. All right. A big tick for uh, Spark Infrastructure. Our second stock. Gents, you'll need to help me out here because our second, second stock was emailed in by Greg, uh, who's a West Coast supporter, and said <laughs> he loves the call. The only problem is that Koshi's a, a, a port supporter. So... Uh, Greg, I'm not sure we really appreciate the sledges there, but anyhow, we we will we will cover it for you any anyhow, and good luck with the season. And let me tell you, both teams are going to be really buddy buddy after getting in that hub in the Gold mm -hmm. Coast in a couple of weeks. I think for three or four weeks. So, uh, Greg, thanks for sending in. Hanson Technologies uh, is Greg's um, uh, suggestion. Big data management, customer service management group. Um, uh, Adam, from what I can gather, yeah. they they help big energy providers, even Foxtel, yep. to manage their customer base and their billing cycle. Right. So okay. that's that, that's the key. So they they actually allow that billing cycle mm. to be moved through. So when you get your piece of paper or in your mail or your email of this yeah. is what you owe. 
that's them putting that together, that bill, and that's outsourced. And then, yeah. then they go further into allowing to be able that to be collected and managed as well. So this one has done really, really well inside of the COVID-19 environment due to the fact that their essential services that they really do take care of is telecommunications and utilities. Yeah. Now, both of those sectors are continuing to move forward. Yeah. They haven't seen much of and a disruption. And big customers too. And very big customers. Yeah. So um, that... Uh, has been fantastic. But then also what we've seen uh, is that they came out the other day and actually reiterated profit guidance. And mm. so that's a rarity inside a lot of these companies here in Australia that yeah. they basically aren't giving any guidance whatsoever. So we've seen them come out and say revenues around about 300 million with EBIT, uh, EBITDA to be around about 75 to 76 million. And that's actually beating the street a little bit, most of the street was at 72 million for earnings. So it's actually a little bit of an upgrade in an environment mm. where most companies are downgrading yeah. as well. Now, the stock did rally a little bit on the back of that announcement, but I think this one, um, over seeing how it's performed in the last downturn, which is the GFC, it outperformed its peers. I think this time it will also outperform its peers, so it's a buy mm. from me. Andrew? Oh, Adam, we were doing so well. We were doing so well. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more in the holes camp, and I'm just looking at the chart, and you're right, like I, my chart only goes back 10 years. I'm sure if I went to GFC, all the characteristics that you just spoke about, bang on. I guess I tend to look at, it's sort of in that technology space again, um, and it's pretty low margin stuff. I mean, I get the fact that it's volume business, but, you know, again, I go back to Altium or Technology One, and their profit margins are 26 and 20% each. Whereas in the case of Hanson, um, you know, we're talking around 7%. So their margin isn't as strong, albeit it's a volume business. I don't think there's a lot of corporate appeal there. The CEO, Andrew Hanson, owns around 17% of the stock. So he's in essence got a blocking stake. So you're not going to probably see a lot of, you know, corporate activity there. Um, it's trading well below consensus, about 310 versus 395, which is consensus price. I'd have this as a hold. And simply because from a chart action, if you look at it since about 2016, it's sort of peaked at 450, bottoms out at about $3. So again, you know, buying at 310 as a trade is okay, plus that defensive characteristics. But I could think there's probably other better technology ones personally. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, a mixed bag, a halt from Andrew there. And Adam likes handsome technology. Thank you, Greg. Good luck with the rest of the season. Uh, our third stock, uh, Andrew Pact Group. Um, this has been suggested by Max, one of our viewers. Um, it, it's a sort of rigid packaging manufacturer, isn't it, in that space? It is. It is. And in fact, if you go back to its genesis, it was actually a management buyout of the underperforming Visi assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, the major shareholder um, is Anthony Pratt's brother-in-law. Um, the, the chair, um, Raphael, owns about 44% of the company. I might add the CEO owns 0.01 of 1% of the company, so that doesn't instill a lot of confidence. Uh, it has bounced about 70% off its recent lows. Great return on equity, you know, 40% return on equity, but low revenue growth, no dividend at the moment, and it's trading relatively close to consensus. So uh, certainly if you're trying to buy a recovery play, you know, in in the industrial space, packaging, etc., it might be one to think about. But again, from my point of view, it's probably a hold, especially considering that bounce that we had back from March. Yeah. 
Adam? Yeah, so look, I think if you take a step back and uh, sort of look at the way customers are really driving uh, packaging these days, obviously we had the pantry-demic which was everybody <laughs> stockpiling everything, getting in there um, and, and, and doing that. So yeah, that was certain, cost. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, so, you know, so th- for that, for me, that um, allowed uh, a lot of that rigid stuff, which is indoor stuff, not a lot of outdoor packaging gets done in these kinds of environments, but certainly that indoor stuff I think is, is quite good. And, and Pack Group was one of that benefiters of it because they had such a diversified range of right. packaging uh, that they yep. do put through the supermarkets and things like that. Now that uh, pantry-demic, that uh, storing has now stopped. I think I agree with Andrew that it's a hold. If you could, if you would have bought this, you know, uh, three or, f- or whatever, you know, sort of uh, cheaper from where it was today, I think that's a, it's, it's certainly a better buy. But I do see the long-term sustainability uh, that these guys are going to be able to do, and they do have margin expansion. They can move their products and, and, and improve their returns for that cash generation. So it is a hold from me. I just think that um, supermarkets as a whole are going to have slower numbers for the next quarter. Right. So potentially you might see some weakness in the pack group, Amcor as well. I mean, that, that's a very defensive business. I prefer Amcor, but it is also looking a little bit ritzy at these levels yeah. here. So, again, I think that whole packaging industry will probably yeah. come under some consolidation. Although Amcor has that um, health products Panadols, for, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and which it gives them a bit of a diverse base, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Nescafe Pods. I mean, yeah. it's, it's huge, yeah, the diversification yeah. that they've got. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I just think it's a little okay. bit rich here. All right. So, uh, a hold from both. Andrew and Adam on the pack group. Our fourth stock, uh, Dicker data, data, you might think is, oh, big data, um, data centres. Uh, not really. It's more a distributor of, of computer hardware and software, but they do distribute for some, um, Andrew, some really big names, don't they, in terms of big brand names? You talk about kicking yourself with businesses. This is another one that I looked at back in 2017 at 350, and I went, "Oh, you know, it'll come back." You know what a schmuck I am. Um, it is just uh, no comment required, Adam. You know, like the ROE, it was 48%, 30% earnings per share growth. It's got a 4% dividend. It's in that right spot considering what's going on with um, working from home. It has around 5,000 resellers on the books at the moment. They've recently just done a share purchase plan and institutional placement to fund future growth. Uh, the CEO owns 30, 37% of the stock. Out of all the ones we're going to talk about today, this is probably the one I like the most. Is that right? Wow. Okay, even at these, well, it's almost at a record high now, Andrew. If, in, if anything, that's usually you tell that it is a buy. Right. Okay. Adam? Uh, look, you know, I think it's the key is that management piece. You know, did you, Andrew, did you yeah. say 37%? Strong founder, is that? Yeah. 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 So, like, you know, that means if you think about it, that takes 37% of the shares out of the, sh- out yeah. of the market. So then it has little cash, uh, sorry, not cash flow, has little share turnover. And so if anybody wants to take a position in this, large insta or whatever they're going to push the price high because they want to get set yeah so that that's a key thing uh for, for me but they said in the operational update just the other day that they've had their best quarter ever 
Wow. So all work from home, yeah. uh, more and more uh, computer screens, everything else that, that needs to be done. Uh, their, their total revenue was up 20%, 19.9%. Yep. So it's yep. been a fantastic run for them. Um, you know, it probably looks a little bit toppy here. And I'd, if, if to, be, to be honest, uh, I'd, I'd wait if it breaks that $8 mark and does some work around that $8 mark, then it's a buy. From right. here, potentially, it could reconsolidate, you know, back to sort of $7, $6.70, something like that. So I'd be cautious up here. Right. You just have to watch it. I wouldn't buy in today. I'd just like to watch it, see how it goes. If it does do some work around that $8 and continues okay. to come high, it's breaking into blue sky. Absolutely. So, so that's interesting. So you're saying, because uh, a lot of analysts say, wait for a pullback, wait for a pullback, wait for a pullback. Yeah. You're saying, looks high at the moment. Yep. There is the potential of a pullback. Absolutely. But if it gets to $8 and just trades around there for a while, it's setting a new step for another leap up. New floor, which right. then it can hold on to and then, and then bounce up higher. So right. it has to do some work. And generally, uh, our chartists will look for that sort of three-day to five-day working around a certain yep. point. Yep. And usually round figures, it's human yep. psyche, but round figures is where that, a lot of that work yep. gets done. So it, it, it will then tell us if it's a buy as it then starts right. to move higher. This whole working from home issue, having one very big proviso on it. Everyone, employers are going, terrific. Why do I have to pay rent? Yep. Uh, everyone work at home, let's say costs. Until the first employee goes to Fair Work Australia and says, well, my boss didn't set up a proper workstation for me at home right. and I've got back injuries or neck injuries or I tripped over a cord on the way to the kitchen. And then that whole employment issue of, okay, if you want your staff to work at home, you have to audit their workstations. Yep. You have to provide everything for it, not them. You've got to provide the best ergonomic chairs, computer screens, the whole lot, insurance, all in the home. Yep. And that's to be tested. And I'll tell you what, when it is tested, Dicker will, <laughs> will yeah. be on a bonanza. All right, our, um, our next stock, our fifth one, um, suggested by Kylie. Thank you for this. Andrew, you're the king of Australian uh, uh, regional financial services. We've got to throw this one to you first. Uh, Rex, uh, Regional Express, the, the airline, which has been in the focus for stirring the pot around the, uh, around the Virgin buyout. And... Um, and also some claims that that it really isn't a great business except for what the National Party has pumped into it with uh, with travel subsidies. Yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave the politics out of it, but uh, <laughs> certainly that, that doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. Uh, I, I, I'm just looking at the numbers, um, and, you know, it's a P of eight times. Uh, that's not super demanding, albeit... It is at the moment because no one can fly, but on the basis, and, you know, we've seen a lot of these, and Henry Jennings talks a lot about recovery stocks in that sort of travel space. Uh, This in itself is probably in that there as well. Uh, You're right. You've certainly got um, John Sharp as the chair. It's majority foreign owned by by the Singaporeans. Um, The CEO's got 22% of the company. All the noise has really been around the fact that they have been allegedly approached to be almost like a third carrier 
to compete against Virgin and Qantas, but they'd need about $200 million equity in which to do it, which they seem to be indicating people offering them money. Um, the dividend yields are right. It's a low return on equity um, as a recovery play for sure. But really, I'd like to see what, and I think Virgin's today from memory, I'd like to see what actually happens with Virgin before yeah. I sort of got too excited. Yeah. Okay, so so a hold until we hold. see what the aviation landscape brings us over the next week or two. Mm. Adam, what about uh, you? For me, I think it's a sell. I've never been uh, happy with airlines at all. Um, yep. The amount of people it takes you to get you on a flight is ridiculous. And the amount of overhead and capex that they need to spend to maintain planes it's just, you know, unless you're going to buy Qantas, which is probably one of the best run airlines in the world, yeah. uh, I would think that you would be struggling on any other ones. And, and share prices, like Virgin share prices, really depicted that because it's just been an absolute disaster for shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Rex, you know, regional, um, 200 million. They said they've got eight bidders lining up to give them some capital to do this. And they got a bit of a slap on the wrist from the ASX the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically uh, got pulled up for disclosure or non-disclosure. <laughs> they, had, they had been out spruiking yeah. a fair oh, bit, in haven't fin, they? <laughs> yeah, in, the, in, in all the news, in the Fin Review and everything, they were telling everybody. So, yeah, just, um, you know, if Andrew goes to management, that's probably not a great management uh, right. for me. That's that's They need a better communications person in there to sort of rein in a lot of these directors. But, look, um, yeah, for me, it's a sell. I don't like airlines as a, as a whole, okay. so I never invest in those things. All right. Okay, we're halfway through uh, our top 10 for today on the call, plus Nearmap. Nearmap is a hold for both Adam and Andrew. Let's just recap the first five. Um, a tick from both of them for uh, Spark Infrastructure. If you're after a dividend play, good conservative stock. Although Adam did say if you want a dividend play in the infrastructure market, APA could be a better one for you. Um, Hanson Technology, uh, a hold from... Andrew, a yes from uh, from Adam. Uh, hold on both packed for um, Andrew and Adam, and Adam prefers Amcor. Um, good thumbs up from uh, from Dicker Data. Mm. Uh, just below eight bucks at the moment. Uh, if it can maintain, get to eight dollars, hold it for a while. Both Andrew and Adam think that could be the floor for the next uh, leap up. So that, that's an interesting one. Uh, to follow over the next couple of weeks and on the charts. And um, a no on Rex from uh, from Adam and a hold for Andrew. Um, let's get into the, the sixth stock. Um, we've got a bit of a run of services companies here. I think someone's trying to, trying to yeah. build up their portfolio, aren't they? Or talk um, it up a little bit? We, we talked earlier about technology and you clump them together. Well, the next three are, you could almost <laughs> clump together as Absolutely. well. So. So let's kick it off, Adam, with NRW Holdings, resource mm. infrastructure contractor. Big lift in revenue and profit uh, recently. And yeah. and also the Bureau of Stats this week um, highlighted the fact mining spending was at a seven and a half year high. Now, these are the figures that I think were the, for the March quarter. March quarter, yeah. So this is before all this COVID thing uh, came. A lot of people thinking our resource stocks may pull in their capital spending if we go into a deep recession. Mm. But, gee, it was pretty healthy leading into it, wasn't it? Well, it's, yes, but it's all about commodity prices. Yep. So if commodity prices are going one way, which is higher, which yep. most commodity prices have, iron ore especially, uh, and, and gold, yep. two very big commodities here in Australia, if those commodity prices still rise, then 
BHP, Rio, Fortescue, the big boys and the small guys are all willing to spend money and they yeah. will continue to spend money because the commodity prices are going higher. Yeah. Remember, Fortescue can make uh, a tonne of iron ore inclusive dividend for $12 a tonne. $12 right? and it's around 100 100 moment. Let's say 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So if you wow. extrapolate that out to 155, 180 million tonnes of iron ore per annum, yeah. that's where you get your figures from. So I, I did, did smile just on that. I know I saw a chart, I think it was in the financial review from Abair yeah. during the week, all this hoo-ha about barley exports to China. Yeah. Uh, the total annual barley exports to China equal three days of iron, iron ore exports to China a year. <laughs> there you so, go. Put it so context. that puts it all in perspective. <laughs> I went, you're kidding me. I had to look at the sort of the grid on the chart to go, our entire barley exports to China equal three days yeah. of iron ore exports. Yeah. So China definitely needs our iron ore. China definitely yeah. needs our coal or met coal to yeah. be exact. And both of those are moving. So NRW and uh, NRW Holdings is basically in that great position to obviously yeah. service those mining contracts. Out of the three that we're going to talk about, this is one of my buys. I think this is oh. uh, quite a good one. Um, they do have a uh, net debt of around about 115 million. That's okay. I'm sort of comfortable with that debt. But uh, they're forecasting um, they're forecasting a fair bit, fairly decent uh, run on yeah. EBITDA and going forward. So I think it's a buy. I like the contracting space. Uh, there are some very bad ones in there, and we don't have time to look through all of them because there are a lot of them. We are <laughs> yeah. quite... Um, consult, we don't have a lot, sorry, it's not consolidated. There are a lot of players in that space. NRW is probably my buy for me okay. on this one. Andrew? All right, and we're back. We're back, we're back. buddy. Um, <laughs> Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. No, I'm with, I'm with you 100%. Oh, good. Because um, oh, uh, when I got the list uh, yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening, I'm looking at going, is this a G up? Is someone yeah. making sure that I'm paying attention? Three in a row. Uh, but... But uh, I'm pleased that uh, you went with the best one first because um, yeah. I probably, and I agree with everything that Adam says, probably the only thing I'd caution people about, uh, and March 23 lows is an unfair benchmark to be using, but it's got to be said, it's up 100% off its 20, March mm. 23 lows. Now, to be fair, this is at the same time where IAF, the Australian Government Bond ETF, which is about as safe as houses, Drop four percent that day as well. Right. So you know, March twenty third wasn't exactly a normal day, but nevertheless, NR NWH is up. It's had a pretty good run. Again, CEO selling shares to meet personal tax liabilities. That's always a bit of an amber mm, light for me. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, of nine times relative to its peers that are trading at twenty four times. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I do like this business the most. Yeah, and Andrew, it was only at three, it was back at 340 in December. Yeah, um, it's, and, but it, this is the nature, and we covered off Simic last fortnight, Koshi. This is the yeah. nature of these types of businesses, whereby they're going to bounce around a lot and it's subject to sentiment around mining, it's sentiments around the economy, etc. So, uh, at a dollar, where are they today? Just under two bucks, dollar ninety six, dollar ninety seven. Uh, from a value point of view, from a quality point of view, I think this is sort of the mm. best of the the bunch that we're going to talk about today. Okay, we'll stick with you, Andrew, with McMahon Holdings, civil engineering in that that mining sector. So, similar sort of category. 
It is, and I, I haven't been a great fan of McMahon, so I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to it. What surprised me is that over the last five years, it's returned 39% per annum. So it's actually had a, a pretty good run. If you remember when we were talking at the beginning of the, the segment, I said the market over the last five years has returned 4.5% per annum. So to return 39% per annum is a pretty good um, achievement. They've had no withdrawal of guidance, and we've seen plenty of other companies do that. They're sitting on about $155 million in cash. Um, but, yeah, the, the business, and this is probably me just going back to its heritage, uh, it does. It does concern me. It's had some, um, some some mixed history, if I can put it that way. Um, so, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm. I would. I'd call this a hold. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, so, out of the three, this would be myself uh, that I, I'd, I'd put to it. Um, the only dif- differentiating against N- NRW is that, that um, MAH uh, does a lot of sort of Southeast A, uh, Southeast Asia, and South Africa. Uh, construction and engineering, right. mining services, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, they do a bit of also uh, crushing and bulk screening for the gold companies as well. So that, that, that's quite good. But yeah, um, they, they basically came and stood by their 2020 financial guide or fiscal guidance, uh, but they did say that they'll delay a lot of CapEx uh, going forward. So for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, see that utilisation rate. And in, in any um, engineering business, you look at utilisation rates. So utilisation is how much of their services are being used. Right. And that utilisation rate is, is quite low. So I, I'm, I'm right. just a, I, I'd be a seller of McMahon's. It's a bit like airlines. Uh, Alan Joyce talks about bums on seats mm. and keeping airplanes in the sky. Yeah, you know, if if they're if they're too long being serviced or fixed up, they're not making money for them. So Correct. is that the same with heavy machinery, if you like? Yeah. In well, Rio in these Tinto. Sorts of companies? Let, let's say Austin Engineering. Rio Tinto has uh, trucks, big trucks that, yeah. that dump iron ore and move around. Massive. Right, yeah. massive. Those trailer those. Uh, trucks, trays get worn out because of the constant 24-hour mining cycle that businesses yeah. go through, right? They don't, they don't yeah. stop. It's, it's, it's around the clock. So they have to be replaced. And so one truck off the road means less iron ore being produced, gold produced, whatever, less yeah. of that being produced, less dirt being moved. Yeah. So it is really important for mining services businesses mm. to be integrating with those larger organisations. But sometimes um, I, I think that there's too many of them in, in the industry, and so it just gets a little bit lost. The message gets a little bit lost. You've always got to look for the better ones with the better balance sheet, NRW, and the next one we're going to talk right. about also has a good balance All sheet. All right. Well, keep going on this one, yeah. <laughs> Adam. Monodelphus, yeah. it, for a while there, was seen to be the premier stock, 100%. the darling of this sector. Absolutely. Is it still there? Yeah, it's a little bit tough now because they did move into a lot of uh, uh, accommodation or staff accommodation, big camps that would oh. go out into the middle of uh, Central Australia right. or Mongolia where they're quite big in also. And they build these massive camps that basically then all their workers can come in and out, fly in and out of and, and, and work from there. So with the, FIFO, the fly in, fly out, the FIFO workers being somewhat now being pulled back, they are struggling a little bit because of those utilisation rates of those camps aren't right. being used. Right. However, 
when they do, and this is why uh, a lot of the resource stocks have done quite well, is that once, once the work is there, they're not going home. They're staying there. They've done their 12 days of isolation and they're going to basically be working in there. And that's how they've managed to keep the mines oh. in Australia up and running, is that they've got rid of a lot of that fly-in, fly-out, sort of 10 days on, five days off kind of thing. It is now basically you're in there and you're working uh, and right. you don't leave. Right. So, yeah, but that, that lower utilisation rate of those camps um, has certainly affected, and I think that's a, a temporary dislocation but um, I think Monodelphus is a better quality run business than most of them so it's a buy okay. from me. Andrew? Yes, uh, short answer I agree with what Adam's saying. I guess I look at the fact and again coming back to that management piece the CEO and the chair own 25 and 12 million dollars worth respectively so you know I'd call that invested Um one of the things I really struggle with with all these services businesses is the low margin. Again, it's a 3% margin because they're trying to compete to win the business from BHP or win it from Rio or whoever it's, it might it's be. It's a 3% margin. Yeah. Wow. That's the average need, margin. You need 3%. big volumes for that, don't you? Well, you do. And if you get it wrong, you get your pricing wrong. Yeah. I don't think you can sort of go to the CFO of BHP and go, Look, mate, sorry, bit of an issue. <laughs> They're just going to go, off yeah. you go. So I, I, I don't like, and again, without labouring the point, that's why I like these technology businesses. Uh, very sticky, subscription or annuity-based, high margin, low cost. Whereas these more cyclical businesses, when things are going great, they're fantastic, but there is very little margin for error, no pun intended, uh, if they get it wrong. So I like Monodelphus. I agree that if I had, to, you know, I, I wouldn't be adverse to buying it, but I look at consensus, it's 1260. Where is it trading at the moment? 1180. Yeah, I mean, even they came out in early May and said, look, uh, what did I say here? They had an, a downbeat announcement to the market with reduced expenditure from their customers. It's hard to get enthused. Right. So, yeah, sorry, Adam, I'm going I'm to go hold. No, no, right. that's okay. I, okay. Think it, I think it's good. We've got to have some disagreements yeah, yeah. on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. So when you look at, let's go back to um, Andrew's technology comment where you have a group and you sort of, you can go overweight the yep. sector compared with the whole of the market. Yeah. This is another little grouping in the services sector. I agree. Um, do you... Do you just avoid a sector like this if you think it's outside the commodity cycle, or you don't like it, or do you, do you should you still keep a holding or at least a, a toe in this area? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it it doesn't as a classification. It sits in the engineering sector or yeah. engineering uh, sector of the ASX, but it really it, it all depends on commodities. Now, if commodity yeah. prices are moving in the right direction. You know, let's say something like Wallis, they're an engineer to the oil and gas industry, but the oil prices have been absolutely hammered, but potentially oil prices will start to move higher and we yep. all think that's and supply have. and demand yep. and they will and those kinds of things. So Wallis probably a really good bet in that space because it has been hit pretty hard, um, but um, you know, you can take some exposure. I don't think you want to be overweight this sector at all. It's, right. it's such a fickle sector. Right. And as Andrew said, you know, it's cost blowouts that really hurt them. So that they've got fixed price costs that they come in and they yeah. say, we're going to charge you X amount. And, you know, they can't, if the ratchet costs ratchet up, they can't go back to the company yeah. BHP because there's so many of these guys around. It's all a race to the bottom yeah. on margin. Right. So I don't think you get too overweight in that sector. Right. So, Andrew, how do you explain it to your clients? Do you say to them, Look, this sector's just 
too hard to make money in, avoid it altogether? Give yourself an uppercut is what I'd say. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I, I seriously, I would just say that we, and you know, sorry, I'm just going back to Adam's comment about Rex and he's spot on, you know, like uh, looking at um, Adam's hair, he's probably been doing this or that as long as I have. <laughs> and you, you, you get burnt a couple of times yeah, and agree. you have sectors that you like and you have sectors that perhaps cause you sleepless nights. This would be a sleepless night sector. Technology, I'd sleep quite comfortably. So, so I would say to clients, if you're trying to take a tactical or a trading view, sure. At the bottom of the cycle when everyone hates these and you can be buying them cheaply and you're buying them for the bounce, absolutely. But is this one that I would hold in my portfolio throughout the cycle? Definitely not. Right. Whereas technology, I could be comfortable in doing that. So it's really trying to match the client up with their mindset. Trader, for sure. Long-term investor, don't think so. Okay. All right, Andrew, we'll stick to you with this uh, because it ticks how you think in two regards. Number one, it's a technology business. Yeah. And number two, it's chairman recently sold 400,000 shares. And I know you focus on that sort of thing. Uh, EML payments, um, electronic gift cards and, and payments business. But the CEO of, of EML, and they have 66 million bucks worth. So mm. again, heavily invested in the business, but it is absolutely a red flag when people are selling um, Probably the key thing, I, I guess there's two things that I think about with this business. One is the fact that it's had such a strong bounce off its March 23 lows. It's up 300%. Yeah. So it's had a very strong recovery. I guess the other thing is that reloadable cards business um, is sort of, uh, sorry, the gift reward business. Uh, so basically they run rewards businesses for about 1,100 retail businesses with a number of stores closed what impact will that have in the short to medium term mm. on them? But the flip side is, I think one of the trends that we're seeing come out of COVID is that people don't want cash. They want to be using more and more cards. So on balance, I like the business. Uh, consensus is 425 versus the current share price. But would I call this you know, a technology business with a predictable, reliable mm. income stream? I wouldn't. So I'm probably not as enamored, but I don't mind it. Okay. Yeah, I, look, it's an interesting one. It, look, it has really strong organic growth, and I think you sometimes want that in a business, that organic growth with that cards uh, side of things. Um, they have been on a little bit of an acquisition uh, trail. They did buy a business called PFS. Um, that business, uh, PFS, I think it was called PFS uh, Financial or something like that, but um, that uh, has worked really, really well for them. They raised $100 million in November last year. Uh, the business was for sale for $423 million. They picked it up for two hundred and fifty-two wow. million. So you know. So in fact, they they raised at the right time when the share price was up. Correct. So it's good. And COVID hit. Yep. And then basically and they were able to go back to the table and then picked it up. Now, you know, strong organic growth is one thing, but growth by acquisition is another thing. Yeah. And certainly growth by acquisition, you can overpay to get earnings, yep. which we've seen many companies do. Vocus, yep. there's plenty of companies out there that have grown too quickly on growth by acquisition and then really had digestion problems, had, you know, this issue where they couldn't get everything uh, set. So I think this is a really good uh, announcement as far as paying substantially mm. less money for a business that's now going to diversify them out a little bit. EML certainly has the ability then to um, grow and do, uh, do a little bit more. 
it's got 100 million still sitting in the cash now on the on the balance sheet because of that acquisition that did you know that didn't yeah, so yep. so I think it's quite good I think they'll be out of uh, uh, weather the storm that we're seeing at the moment um, my, my issue is is that yeah cards are going to be a little bit difficult gift stores retails not open you know that kind of thing but I think with the amount of cash on the balance sheet that should then survive. So I think EML is a high growth story. So you've got to be aware that that is for more of a riskier style uh, asset allocation or objective. Yeah. But really, I think it's a buy from me. Okay. So Andrew, what did you end up? I think you were at the end there. You just you talk so much that you ended up on the fence. Would that be right? Oh, no, not at all. I know, I know how much you hate people seeing on the fence. I'm not that stupid. Uh, it's a buy. Right. It's, it's not a compelling buy. It's not a dick-a-data buy. Right. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a tepid buy. Right. <laughs> Lukewarm. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, I'll put that down as a tepid buy. I don't think anyone on the call has ever... Uh, made that sort of comment. So. I think we're going to have to do that in our analyst comments. No, it's, that's yeah, right. It's a buy, hold, sell. No, no, it's a tempered it's, buy. Whereas Dicker Data is a raging buy. That's it. All right. Our uh, final stock is uh, um, CKF, um, which owns KFC, uh, Collins Foods. Um, Adam owns KFC chain, Sizzler, and a couple of other franchise brands as well. Yeah. Poor old Sizzler. Will its, will its buffet survive this? Well, That's the issue, isn't not, it? Not in New South Wales. I think the last one closed in Cogra. I think it was a couple right. of years ago now. Right. So I think it's Brisbane or, or, or the, and, and Andrew. Yeah, and, and, the Go- and the Gold Coast. And the Gold Coast. And Gold Coast so have got, Toowoomba. have you got one in Toowoomba too? It's one of the best stores in the country. What are you going on about? Oh. That cheese toast. How, how's the sneeze guard going? Is it going all right? <laughs> oh, don't be like that, Adam. <laughs> so, uh, look, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that chain, look, potentially is doing okay. But it really is about KFC and yeah. um, or Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, um, you know, potentially you would have thought, which, look, geez, look at that share price go. No. Um, uh, you would have thought that um, drive through for Kentucky Fried yeah. Chicken would do very well. They, they actually came out a couple of weeks ago and said their drive-through had more than made up for what they lost in their in-store dining. Yeah, yeah. Their dining. Amazing. So I think I think that is is a big plus for it. Um, you, you, you can actually chart this one quite well uh, around the summer period because KFC do a lot of advertising through the cricket, oh, and yeah. you see the bucket, the heads, bucket heads and, and all and that kind like of that. stuff. Yeah. So. Actual share price actually starts to rally through those summer periods because oh. of people looking at it, you know, and potentially eating more KFC. Through the winter time, uh, it, 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 it sort of slows down a little bit. Um, so I think it, it will do well to get out of this pandemic or the coronavirus uh, epidemic. And they're sort of, sort of same store sales have done quite well with that drive-through taking up a lot of that slack right. going forward. Um, I think then you go to the other side of it and it becomes an ethical uh, choice when you invest in this because it does make people put mm. on weight. It is not healthy food, uh, all of these things. But we've had some healthy food options going into the market and they've done, not done very well at all. No. But uh, takeaway does very, very well. And then you've got to think about that, that this potentially is a takeover target from um, 
Yum Brands in the US, right. which owns the KFCs in the US and things okay. like that. They potentially might come down here and say, okay, yeah, we want to take this over or start to put some more capital in there and then move it as well. So there's a couple of things in play there. A lot of my clients like Coca-Cola, sorry, don't like Coca-Cola because of the health benefits. Right. It's been a hard sell for me to try and get clients to buy uh, Collins Collins Food Group. Right. All on basically that health uh, right. side of things. Oh, okay. But the share price really uh, is ignoring most of those kind of clients and it is moving higher because it is doing yep. quite well. Yeah. So I'm uh, too high? Uh, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm going to say it's a buy. Yeah, I'm comfortable okay. with it. I'm a buy. All right. Um, Can't Andrew? sit on the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I... Um, and Adam probably remembers when this floated back in 2012, mm. it was around two bucks mm. and it just fell in a hole it like did. immediately. Like it was like, it was, a, I can't remember Adam. It was some like shocking announcement straight out of the gate and they went down to like a dollar 10 and I've just gone, you cannot be serious. Yeah. And, and then, then we you had, look at that chart ever since. Then we had the director Sorry. coming out and saying uh, something about um, uh, people not using photocopiers or something like that. They had to save, uh, save money. Mm-hmm. And there was right. that sort of, there was some yep. was bad stuff that was going through the organisation and I think the market was just saying, look, this is too much. Yep. But then, as Andrew said, it did turn that corner. Mm. It's just, and it's been great since. Um, again, I know I focus on the management, but it's held me in pretty good stead. The CEO sold 20% of his holdings off over the last 12 months. The chair only owns 238000 of a $900 million company. He mm. probably needs a pay rise by the sound of that. Um, the CEO is retiring soon, albeit it's an internal um, succession plan, the COO. But again, I always get a bit nervous when there's a change in management because it allows the new manager to come in and say, oh, look, I'm going to blame everything on the previous person. Uh, but having said that, you know, look, it's an okay business. The PE 21 times versus its peers at 18, I, I think it's a whole Koshi. Okay. All right. It was uh, great to catch up, gents. Thank you for that. That brings us to the end of our 10 stocks. Just to recap the uh, the last five, um, we had a re- real skew towards uh, mining and engineering services companies. NRW, a, a yes from both Adam and Andrew. McMahon, a no from Adam, a hold from Andrew. Monodelphus, a yes from Adam, a hold from Andrew again. Um, EML, uh, payments. Adam likes it. Andrew, a tepid like to it. Tepid. <laughs> Not teppanyaki, just tepid. A tepid buy. And Collins Foods, a yes from Adam and a hold from Andrew. Um, don't forget, if you want to uh, suggest any stocks for us, you can email them through to the call at ausbiz.com.au. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.